recurve buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even, oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up? We're joined again by Josh Luck. It's like a parasite. He seeps off of us and just won't ever go away. Man. That's right. <laughs> Graduated from third wheel. Um, and, <laughs> and our guest tonight, the one and only Derek Craig of New Day Outdoors. Derek, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me on. It's good to see all your ugly faces again. So <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like you did him justice there. It's not Derek of New Day Outdoors. It's Derek of like New Day Outdoors, Magnus Broadheads, 47 other companies filming the Super Bowl. Like this dude's been all over the damn internet all year. He's like in all the media. Oh, Athens. Famous Athens, person I've ever met. That's right. Is it Athens archery? Yeah, Athens. Yeah. It's now. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's it, it has definitely been a wild uh, 365 or so days. So the that's for sure. Of, the face of Athens right. archery. You know, well, I don't know. About, I don't know about that. But my face <laughs> has been on the cover of the damn magazine. Well, something like that. So yes, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's, it's been a it's been a very humbling year. The past year has so. Chris has yeah. that magazine in his bathroom. The pages are sticking together, but he's got it. <laughs> he he hit me up the other day for another signed copy. So you know. <laughs> we have been at this for ninety seconds, and we are already getting interesting here. Josh went there. All right. So, guys, tonight we we brought Derek in here to talk turkeys. He's one of our fellow turkey nut jobs we all love chasing these things and uh if you've ever watched some of the things that derek has put together he's got nothing short of ridiculous footage of these birds um and he pretty well strictly hunts them with a bow so it's kind of neat to talk to this guy about these birds he's he's killed them all over the country and uh we're gonna kind of get into it a little bit so um first off how many species of wild turkey have you killed? Uh, the four, the four main ones here in the U.S. I've killed okay. all four of them. So, I've killed. Uh, I've got a grand slam with a shotgun. Um, I've got a uh, almost a grand slam with a bow. I am going to Florida this spring uh, to kill an osceola with a bow. I killed. Nice. I killed an osceola in two thousand and four uh, down in the actual Everglades on public land. A uh, little what? Indiana farm. Yeah, Indiana farm kid was eight miles back in the glades. Ten, I tent camp back in the glades, eight miles back. What? And uh, what? killed the turkey. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, my God, Chris. I just really don't like to get into all this public <laughs> land hiking, but I'll go camp with fucking gators. Sorry, I, I haven't said the F word in like 40 episodes. <laughs> gators and snakes and everything. So, yeah, I did do that. Um yeah, so uh, so I'm going back this spring, actually in about four or five weeks, 
and I'm going to bow hunt birds down there. This is not going to be on public land um, this time, but uh, yeah, so I want to have my grandson with a bow, and then we're talking about uh, another couple buddies and I are talking about next year going to Mexico after a Gould's turkey, so, but we'll see. Um, I've talked to Jay Scott several times Mm -hmm. about it, and he's like, just, you know, let me know, and we'll book it, and you can come on down and hunt with us, so um you know that we're hoping is a year from now next spring but we all got to see uh you know how calendars align and and you know everything else you know what maybe the world's blown up by then so what does a gould's hunt cost in mexico uh it's gonna be in the 2500 to three thousand dollar range so all right now that's for one bird if you want a second bird you're gonna be pushing 35 to 4,000 3500 to 4,000 Correct me if I'm wrong. Do they exist in other places other than Mexico? Do they have them in like California? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Maybe New Mexico, but Arizona is in the States where it's known for. But I think, and I don't quote me, but I believe Arizona is all draw units and you got to put in for them and all that. So Those I've never really pursued right? it. So what's that? Those are mountain birds, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they look very, very similar to a Miriam. They're bigger body than a Miriam, uh, longer legs than a Miriam. Uh, typically, you know, your spurs can be short, long. It kind of depends on if they get broken off or worn down with the rocks. But very similar to Miriam in that snow white. I would say even more brilliant white colored, though, than a Miriam. And the Miriams that I've hunted across the, the West, um, you know, you can get ones that are snow white. I've killed a couple that are pretty much snow white and then you get some that are almost that kind of creamy color where you almost look at them and go boy that could almost be a rio you know and then you start getting into hybrid crosses i mean i've killed miriam rio hybrids i've killed uh miriam eastern hybrids as well uh you know and i've i've killed like rio eastern hybrids so i mean i've killed a variety of about everything you know out there so i like it nice what's what's your favorite Man, you know what? Uh, the prettiest, in my opinion, is the Miriams, but um, I love Rios. For some reason, I love Rios. I love Texas Rios. Uh, the hard goblin birds, something about the magic of Texas hunting birds, I love, you know. I like Easterns too, you know, but I mean, at one, you know, you just sit there and go, you know, when you've killed this many of them, it's hard to say which one's your favorite. And and sometimes I look at Easterns and go, oh, it's just another dang Eastern, but man, a hard goblin, big old 24, 25 pound Eastern. It's hard to, hard, hard to, to be. turn your nose up at that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're all pretty amazing. You know, you know so, what my favorite Turkey is a dead one. I love killing turkeys more than most <laughs> things in life. It's the, yeah. yeah. I'd turn yeah, they're, 365 days a year if you'd let me. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Um, they're really neat. I, it's it's just uh, an animal that's always amazed me. Um, you know, I, and I'll tell you, man, the one sound I can never get enough of is that spitting and drumming, especially, <laughs> especially when he's behind you and you don't even know he's there. And all of a sudden you hear that, and you just... The hair stands up on the back of your neck and it's just like, oh my God, you just feel him shaking. Funny you should say that, Derek, because Chris absolutely would not know the bird was behind him because Chris can't actually hear the bird spit and drum. Oh, dude. That's like 
So that's you the need best to, thing ever. You gotta remember this. I can hear the spitting. Oh, I'm sorry, it's you can hear the spitting. The low sound. I cannot hear the low frequency, oh. the drumming. I can hear the turkey's thoughts. I can hear <laughs> my hearing is off the charts, but when you get into the low the low frequencies, I've literally never in my life heard a bird drum before. I had to, all these guys were like, oh, yeah, I heard one. I'm like, man, shut up. No, you didn't. And so I looked it up one day. I was like, I, I know I've had to have heard this, and I'm just not. Nobody's pointed it out to me or something. And because uh, I, I hear him spit, but I never hear him drum. And it, I mean, it's depressing to me because when I turned it on on YouTube, I was like, oh, yeah, I've never heard that. Like, that is a very distinct like a dead giveaway here i am 25 mm -hmm. 30 yards away sound and mm -hmm. you're right if he's behind me and there aren't crunchy leaves no idea unless he yeah. gobbles i mean stick breaks something i can't hear it yeah it's man it's just the best I, especially like i say you know i again i bow hunt well and i know we're going to talk about a lot of that but you know a lot of times i'm sitting in a blind and you know your vision's limited <laughs> and and uh Man, when you get one that comes up behind the blind and you don't know he's there and he's five or ten yards behind the blind and he spits and drums, it, it you it it feels like the whole blind is just shaking around you. It's just such an amazing oh, it just it gives me goosebumps when I start thinking about it. So I I wonder I wonder what the uh I don't know how to say this, but essentially the noise a male gator makes during the mating season is like a b flat i mm. wonder what the drumming of a male turkey would be like what music uh, note uh yeah what note they hit there you go i'm trying to use my my mouth words um the i don't know if you i'm sure everybody here's seen it but they're they're uh the note is so low that it vibrates the water and creates upward rising raindrops basically droplets off the gator's back so um that would be kind of interesting to know actually somebody there's got to be some deep diving turkey nut that knows this somewhere we're at, we're at the wrong place though we need to be at nwtf which by the way mm -hmm. it's going on right now i've got to i've got to go public with this i can't hold it in any longer Tethered's new turkey pack is the shit. <laughs> the vest, Derek, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's, they, they did they it. They nailed cool. it. They nailed it. I, it does look seen? cool. I, I saw a clip with Aaron, the Aaron yeah. and um, uh, Jake. Jake. Yeah, shot today. Real mm -hmm. quick. And it, it looked pretty cool. It looked, it looked kind of unique. And I could see definitely, uh, a uh, a place for it if you're you know if you're that running gun type of hunter and don't want to you know want to carry minimal stuff which you know i'd like to maximize what i carry not minimalize but yeah so because i i just like that self-torture you know <laughs> yeah it does look pretty cool it does look pretty cool and i think you can swap out the back piece like the turkey bag yeah. for the yep. the water bladder thing or or whatever that that they're calling that look kind of neat I don't know. It was yeah. a short clip, so I'm sure we'll see more details. Yeah, I, I, I need to see like all the reviews and just check it out. I, I didn't. I would didn't, assume. But... 
I would assume that it's kind of like a modular even on the front system because my my problem I don't use turkey vests anymore, but back when I used to, uh, when I ran and when I did run and gun turkey hunting with a gun, my problem with turkey vests was I could never find one that just had all the pockets the way I wanted it to. I'd be like, ah, oh, this one like nails at seventy five percent, but I don't need this crappy pocket here, this pocket, or why didn't they do that? You know, and so I always felt like you know I had like probably five, six, seven of them, you know, I mean, I probably owned a lot more than that over my lifetime, but it just felt like I was always just using this thing that was just like, oh, it's, it's okay, but not good enough. So mm-hmm. I think something that would, that had modular where you could swap out components, you know, I mean, like, I'm not a box crawl guy. I mean, that's it. I have no need for a box crawl pocket, like just throw that in the trash. I mean, and if you are a box crawl guy, slap that in. It would be so cool if, if that's the way this system is, or if somebody would come up with something like that, that even like a bow hunter like me, who maybe hunts totally different than a running gun, public land um, shotgun guy, I could adapt that vest to my needs. Maybe I could put like, you know, action cameras here or there, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be really cool if somebody come out with something like that. And maybe this is, I don't know. We'll know more obviously uh, before too much longer. So. Yeah, it looked like the shoulder straps had molly webbing on it where you could put attachments to it, which would be nice. I was, so I saw that earlier and I, I sent it to Chris. I'm like, hey, check this out. I'm like, finally, someone made a good vest for the running gun guy. A lot, lots of running gun guys will use that uh, Night and Hail, like 200. That's that's yeah. pretty common. And I think a lot of the THP guys were using that. Um, but I saw that and I'm like, thank goodness. Like, well, well, that's what happens. When, that's that's what happens when you let some saddle guys, you know, start designing crap for the mm-hmm. turkey hunting woods, man. Well, I, you I, know? I do have to say. So I, I was trying to explain this to Josh, though, and and I understand why it's not been a thing, because the majority of the people are sitting mm-hmm. in a blind. You know that most people don't want to go out and walk five miles. That's not popular ever um unless you're a damn 5k person or something but man if you are the guy that can go do five seven ten plus miles i've done a 14 mile day turkey hunting before i don't want some big ass bulky vest yeah or like that's where you're like this was really nice today i didn't see or hear a single bird but (laughs) because that's the (laughs) way that's the way it goes. Like me and Josh, we did uh man, we were like, well, I don't know about him, but I know I was, I was starting to get a little rundown because we had put a lot of miles 10. season. And yeah. um, the last day we did 10 through the Hills of Kentucky. And I'm like, we've got to strike a bird. We screwed up the roost and then never heard or saw a bird again. I'm like, dude, eventually we're going to strike a gobble and we kept walking and kept walking and calling and walking and calling and it never happened but it was nice not to be loaded down because i use the uh alps long spur um Mm -hmm. it's pretty modular as well it's pretty nice but um i tell you who i think could make a a good modular turkey vest is marsupial gear because they have modular um uh, game bird yeah. bags for like yeah. pheasant hunting and stuff i'm like you just make a couple tweaks and then you got a turkey vest so mm-hmm. i like my bulky vest yeah <laughs> you don't really do a lot of the run and gun stuff as much as you do the sit like even on a 
say for instance when we're down on Bruce's farm that yeah. like we could jog back and forth all day long although I will no. well, over there it was rough <laughs> he's up there how many, run up the hill how many acres is that Rick uh 115 yeah yeah so on 115 acres Chris you and I did what six miles six seven? miles Dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's running Chase, laps around that place. Chase yes, that wow. number. Yeah, You're like, you know what? Well, I'll see. And that that goes into when people start asking why I hunt the way I do is because you know when you're live where I do and you're hunting fifty acres, eighty acres, one hundred and ten acres, or whatever. You're almost better just to park your butt in one spot and just yeah. wait them out at that point in time. But yeah, if you're going, you know, if you're running the miles, you know on it um if you're out hoofing it in the black hills for example in south dakota or something like that and you're going to put the time in you definitely want to go with that minimalist approach and that's where some type of hybrid type of vest like that where you could pick and choose what goes on it would be really would be really slick you know yeah. and and you could you could adapt a system like that to every style of hunter and that that's that's what i kind of you know find kind of exciting about that so because i i don't use a vest anymore just because of the way i hunt you know i mean and Honestly, even when I, it's the same applies with me at deer hunting too, is three quarters of the gear I carry is camera gear. It's not hunting gear. Right. You know? So right. for me, for me, hunting gear is always like this secondary thing because for me, everything is all about the camera gear. I mean, that's my number one priority is have my camera gear and my bow and then everything else is, is secondary at that point in time. So, and I will but, add this, your method sitting in the blind and everything that's why you're able to put down the footage and hunt like well, you're yeah. still filming and getting footage that is just slightly above most self filmers. Like <laughs> there, yeah. there's no, you're not going to do that yeah. in a run and gun situation normally. Well, yeah. And you know, to like um, Rick and Josh and I talked about this last year a little bit, you know, when I was on and, you know, I, to, in all fairness, look, I've killed turkeys every single way that is legal to my knowledge, besides a high powered rifle. So, I mean, I've played the game. I've done it all, man. I, I mean, I started this, you know, the typical shotgun hunter didn't even own a decoy, you know, and go and sit against a tree and everything. And then, you know, running around and then you get some foam decoys and, you know, called them in with, without decoys, with decoys. You know, I've done it every single way. I've I've killed them with a bow without a blind too. You know, I mean, I've mm -hmm. ran it, done the running gun with a bow, and I've killed birds without a blind. And so, you know, I sit there and go. One of the things that drives me crazy is that you know people say, "Well, you're not a real turkey hunter if you do it this way or that way." That's and stupid. you know, I and I just look at it the way I do it. Okay, first of all, now I'm I'm almost 54 years old. Okay, and I've been doing this all my entire adult life like what the hell do i have to prove to anybody about how i kill turkeys so i'm going to kill them the way that's comfortable for me and quite frankly even when i was younger the least enjoyable thing about turkey hunting for me was sitting my ass on the ground that was typically wet up against a tree with a knot sticking in my back i mean there was nothing comfortable about it and it's fine to do that for 10 or 15 minutes while a bird's coming in and shoot it. That's awesome. But that two or three hours or, you know, or whatever it is, I mean, maybe here in Indiana, you know, I might be hunting 40 acres. Well, I'm not going to go anywhere. I mean, I might be able to move, 
you know, one or two times, but for the most part, you're parking your butt and setting. And that was always the least enjoyable part for me. So I look at it and go, if I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit in a chair that's comfortable, you know, and I've got the little mm-hmm. squatty turkey chair. You can sit on the ground and I've done that. I mean, hell, I've killed a deer on the ground doing that, you know, and self-filmed it. So, um, so I just look at it and go, you know, given the way that I primarily hunt the, the land that I hunt on, it just makes sense to me. And then my girls, you know, they crew up turkey hunting when you got little kids, that's the easiest way. And so for me, quite honestly, it's just, it's, it's a comfort thing. And then you throw in the filming. So when you, it all circles back into this, like, why do you hunt the way you do in a pop-up blind and all that stuff? And it's like, because that's actually what I prefer. And, and what does sure. irritate the hell out of me is when people start saying that's not really not a real turkey hunter. And I look at it and go, you know, I don't criticize the way you turkey hunt. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I've turkey hunted that way. And it's kick ass. And so is this way and this way and this way. I mean, you rattle off 20 different ways and I've done them all. And I'll say that they're all kick ass and I will high five every single person that does it. But then I get on Facebook and I get on these um uh, different discussion groups and people are busting the nuts of anybody who wants to sit in the ground, whether it's with a shotgun or a bow. And they're like, and I get the comments on YouTube. Well, you know, next time ditch the blind. I'm like, I can, but what the hell do I have to prove? So it, it's a weird exactly. kind of tangent that I just spiraled off there. But, but what you were saying there, Chris kind of led into that. And that's establishes why I turkey hunt the way I do. I just freaking like it. I like to shoot video. Sure. You know, I like the bow on them. I like to shoot them in the head with a bow, you know, and all this stuff. It's just the way I do what I do, you know. Um, and if people want to hold that against me or whatever, then whatever. Screw you, you know. I mean, well, it all, it's all turkey hunting. It's all freaking fun, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it yeah. provides a consistent setup for you every time, too. Like, you know, what yes. the, like you're ex- like you can, you know, if you're in the woods with a gun and you're trying to swing to your left to shoot a bird, with with you hunting with a bow, you know we we talked about this last time. Like you're shooting for the neck every time you shoot those bullhead uh, Magnus broadheads, and your your goal is to take the neck and sever it. And and you can be super consistent every time from that setup because it's it's going to be the same setup almost every single time. And if it's comfortable and it's what you like doing, you know, I, I yeah and. And two on top of that is look, man, I've been blessed. Okay. I mean, I've, I've had a long hunting career. I've been very blessed. I've been fortunate to have access to either have access to ground. that has got a lot of birds or I've gone to places. Some of the coolest places that you can hunt birds in the United States. I've killed a lot of birds. I mean, a lot. I can't even count how many birds I've killed. You got a at your house. And when I say all that is, like, honestly, trust me, if turkey season opened here tomorrow, I'd go out with the intent of killing a bird. But if I never killed another bird, it wouldn't be a big deal to me. I actually now get more enjoyment out of the filming aspect of it, trying to get the kill on film and all that stuff than I do about just going and killing a bird. I mean, I had a discussion the other day with a very good friend of mine who's probably killed more birds than I have. I mean, combine the two of us, I'm sure there's probably 300 birds between the two of us that we've killed, 250 to 300. And we're, and he was the same way. He goes, I love it. But he's like, how many more damn turkeys do I need to kill? And, and that's, that is the, that's the truth behind it, but you still want to turkey hunt and you still want to go. But I, I think that, that there reaches a point 
whether it's your 20th bird you killed or your 50th bird you killed, there reaches a point where you got to start looking at turkey hunting as I'm here for the overall experience. It's not about yeah. killing a bird. In my younger days of killing birds, dude, it was, I mean, I, I've got so many kills that I don't have pictures of. I threw away tails, beards, because I didn't care. It was all about bang, kill a bird, go get on the next bird, throw the meat in the freezer and keep going. And now, you know, it's just this, this lifetime of progression as a hunter. And I'm kind of getting this way with deer, to be honest, too, is like, I would rather it be this overall experience, which for me, the camera is a huge component in my experience. Okay. It's what I like doing. I love filming hunts. I love editing. I love making cinematic, um, you know, pieces for others to view, but quite frankly, selfishly, it's for me and, and the memories. So for me, it's, it's about that. It's not about just going out and killing a bird one way or another, because I can go out tomorrow and grab a shotgun and, I can yelp up a bird with a mouth diaphragm call with no decoy and I can kill a bird. I mean, I know I can, you know? Um, so for me, it's, it's just something a little bit different, but I, I think everybody matures as a hunter at a different rate. And I don't think it's X quantity of birds and, or X quantity of deer or whatever the game you chase. I just think at some point in time in your life, you have to self-reflect and go, I need to kind of change my overall thinking. And I just need to, bring all the pieces together and do it the way I want to do it. That's satisfying to me and all that. So. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, there's a case to be made outside of filming or even your, your reasoning, which is your overall experience and comfort level, which kind of plays into the comfort level, if you will. Um, I busted out the line uh, last year, um, opening day of Ohio. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, was hunting a very flat area, similar to what you're doing for the most part, and uh, holds a lot of water. And I looked at the weather, and there was going to be basically no wind that day. And it was going to be warm, and it had rained pretty good for a few days. And I thought, man, if I go out there, I, I had the birds roosted and everything. I'd scouted these birds for I don't know, three or four weeks prior to season. Uh, there's a pond at the farm that I hunt and it's, it's 40 acres. Like you're not running, gunning any running and gunning anyways. But um, the problem is, is there's mosquitoes galore. And I thought if I go over there and I don't take a blind, I'm probably going to, I'm not going to last more than an hour past shooting light um it, it won't happen and it's not like deer where you can see them at first light and kill them more often than not those things aren't flying down for a little while until mm -hmm. after light so you gotta you gotta outlast them basically and uh, i took the blind and turned the th thermocell on i turned the thermocell on at the truck actually so i didn't have to be super noisy because i was probably inside of a hundred yards of the roost and to have any chance at those birds, I'd be super quiet. So I set up a blind, sat in a chair, put the decoys. I think they were, I don't know, eight yards away or something like that. And uh, I was right on the property line and I know people are going to like string me up now, but um, everybody's all weird about property lines. And I'm like, 
if I own property or have permission on property, especially property that I've either leased or helped work, I'm hunting every square inch. I was going to say, did you have permission for the property you were on? Right. Yeah. Like, dude, sorry about <laughs> your luck. I'm hunting on the property I'm on. And if you don't like it, you can, you know, do things that I can't say on here. But um, anyway, killed a bird the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the year. And then and went and chased that other bird down in Kentucky that you, gosh, killed. chased for yeah, yeah. 40 I, miles. I nearly, I nearly pulled off two states in the same day because of that decision and i'm not i'm not a big fan of sitting in a blind but they have their place and for me a there's more than one way to skin a cat right like there you have situations and you have what you have could i have been a tough guy and waited and went out with pierce or one of you guys to some of our places we run and gun on public cool you know what's fun red white and blue heads with a big ass full tail fan 10 yards in front of you taking yeah. tss to the freaking mouth so <laughs> that's my well, here, well well here's another thing too is um you know again it, it the part the problem is it, the well the biggest problem is social media but when you get on these groups on social media you got guys from all over the united states and i get somebody from the deep south um you know where they've got the swamps and the timber and all that stuff but you come up here to indiana you come up to ag country in ohio or ag country in illinois and quite frankly these farmers have no need for trees okay no. so i don't know if any of you have ever driven around the farm belt of the usa but there's not no. a lot of woods okay yeah. and so but what there is is there's little pockets of woods that turkeys roost in but not every piece of property has woods on it so if you can't get permission on a property that's got woods, but there's a woods a hundred yards away on a neighboring property, how, if you want a turkey hunt, how are you gonna do it? You almost at that point have to get a blind because you're gonna have to go set in an open field. And, you know, quite frankly, that's how it is here, okay? So my in-laws are very large farmers, okay? They farm corn and soybeans. And it's a running joke that I have with them a tree is where a corn stalk can grow to, in their <laughs> eyes, rightfully so. They're farmers, okay? So for them, trees come down and corn stalks go up. So yes, I actually have quite a bit of land that I can hunt, but it doesn't have a damn tree on any of it for the most part. So what you'd end up doing is you try and find out where these birds live, okay? They live on Farmer Smith's ground over here that he has got a stand of trees but I have permission on this 200 acres and there's not a single bush, shrub, anything on it. The way you're gonna have to hunt it is with a blind. Okay, I guess, you know, shame on me because I'm not willing to then jump in my, instead of instead of taking a bird in the hand and going hunt that bird, jump in my truck and drive two or four hours to Southern Indiana where I can get into big timber country and go chase birds. Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't, you can't, as somebody who wants to criticize the way people hunt, you can't hold fault the guy for hunting out of the blind because that's what he's got. You know, I mean, Chris, you were at my house. I've got, I own 12 acres of woods. I own 80 acres here at my house. Right. Okay. If I'm just going to run and gun and lean up against trees, I get 12 acres. Or I can go out in my fields where the birds like to strut and work their magic and everything and i can set up a blind i know the two or three spots that are key and go out there and i do that because of woodsmanship and scouting and everything else 
I can set up and I can work the birds. I can film the birds coming in, watch the show and all that stuff. So again, yeah. you know, those of you people out there, if anybody's out there and they're listening, that you're one of those that bashes people for hunting one way or another, you don't, you got to put yourself in their shoes, man. Maybe all they've got is the 80 acres of barren cornfield to hunt. That's all that they've got. It's Let them hunt all, their way. It's all situational. And I'll take it one further. We talk about this a lot. Um, when you have three kids and you're trying to kill birds in multiple states and you're maybe trying to film and do all this other stuff, right? You don't have time to worry about what anybody else is saying or thinking about you. No, you go no. have fun and try to do your best. And if you kill a bird with a bow or a gun or out of a blind or running gun or whatever, my, my preferred method is always probably going to, well, I shouldn't say always because you never know, but I love running gun hunting. I love to be able to hunt public land where I can just roam and walk. I'm a weirdo that just loves to walk. And you would never look at me and say, there's a guy that can walk 10 miles. But it's just what I like to do. But more than anything, I like to kill turkeys. So <laughs> never like I'll probably be different, you know, 10 years from now or 15 or whatever. But I could kill 20 turkeys in a single day and get up at 3 a.m. the next morning to try to kill 20 more. Like They're just it's the funnest thing you could ever do in my opinion so, so derek i have a question for you so you said like you have 80 acres at, at your farm and uh on your piece of property and you said there's a couple of key areas where you will go and you'll set up at and you'll hunt birds at um so when you get when you get into larger birds like a sage grouse or a turkey or something like that they typically have you know sage grouse have what are called lex like where they go and they'll like they'll like present themselves or whatever for breeding purposes. Do you find that it's the same type of thing on your property most times every year where they're going to that same area where birds will, you know, kind of congregate and is it, is there any features that you typically look for in those areas or is it just, you know, by happenstance, this is the place where the birds are every year? No, it's, it's typically, uh, it's typically the same year in and year out or, or, or roughly the same. Um, you know, I always tell people, like, if, if you're going to hunt, like, wide open spaces, um, big fields, turkeys like to be on the high spot of the field. Um, and that high spot can be two feet higher than everything else. They just like to be on the high spot. So, um, you know, a lot of the Midwest, which, you know, Indiana, Northern Ohio, you know, Illinois and all that, where my part of the world is relatively flat. Uh, so that small incline can be a major advantage. I mean, seriously, you can look out across the field and be, oh, there's about a three foot or so elevation change out there. That's a lot of times where the birds will want to be. They just, they like that vantage, that, you know, high ground vantage point. They can just see a little bit further, even though it sounds silly that three feet isn't much, but when everything's flat as a board, three feet might as well be a big old sycamore tree at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like in, in, in my ground out back my property is a little rolly a little more uh topography to it but not a lot i mean not relative to the southern ohio region where you all are from or um i've got property in southern indiana it certainly isn't like that but um my backfield you know it's, it's kind of high at my woods and it rolls off down in the middle and it comes back up at the back 
and they're almost never in that low in that low spot. If they are, they're just picking it. It's got to be pretty dry out, and they're they're picking at it, you know, for waste grain and bugs and stuff like that. But they don't linger down in there very often. They they kind of pass through it, say north from typically from north to south, and then they'll linger up on the higher spots, which would be say east or west, um, you know, type of thing. So you just kind of learn, and you kind of learn their patterns. You know, they they'll walk loops quite often so i kind of know like okay uh if if i if i go kind of more the eastern the northeastern portion of it uh, back there uh that's going to be my morning setups in the evenings if i head off toward the west uh i can catch them on their their loop coming back to the the roost a lot of times it's just one of those things that you learn i mean i've owned the property for 13 years now and you just kind of figure it out and and they throw you curveballs. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, they aren't going to do the exact same thing every day, but generally speaking, you know, that's what they do. So it kind of gives you a starting point. <laughs> I've got another farm here uh, that's uh, not too far from me that I've that I hunt, and I've killed in the last four years. I've killed three times off the same hill that's in the middle of nowhere. You got to go 150 yards or more any direction to even get to a tree. Uh, birds typically will come from 300 plus yards away across open field to get to this one hill. And I've killed three birds in the last four years. And my daughters have killed a couple birds there. And I've taken a couple buddies and killed birds there. I bet we've killed seven or eight birds off the top of this hill that when I first got permission for that property years ago, I was like, there's no way in hell I'd ever hunt that spot. I was trying to get all the other spots. And as I'm hunting and I'd kill birds in other spots, but as I'm hunting, I'm like, man, they always go up to that big hill out there, you know? And I was, I remember the first time I set a blind up there and I was like, man, this just feels stupid. I just feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere and sure enough, killed a bird that morning. And so it's, you know, you just kind of learn, you know what I mean? But, but I take those same principles when I go to a new area and hunt, I take those same principles and apply them because, um, you know, I mean, again, you can't ever say, birds are definitely going to do this or that. I mean, jokingly, they're kind of like the Roombas of the world. They just kind of arbitrarily walk, but they do have some tendencies, you know, and they do tend to like the higher ground, especially in the open spaces, you know, and when I was out in South Dakota in the Black Hills a couple years ago, again, this is public land. I mean, Chris, you'd be impressed. I went two miles back and I killed a bird with my bow, <laughs> carrying, carrying 50 pounds of gear with me. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. but, um, uh, it was the same deal. Once, once I found this spot, uh, you know, it took me a couple of days to figure it out, but it was like, okay, wait a second. I see the terrain feature. Once you stand back and look at it and you see what the birds are doing, you're like, I see the terrain feature and that's where I need to be. And sure enough, I went in that morning and, and killed a beautiful bird right off the roost. He flew down, followed a hen, hen came right to the decoys and walked right past the blind. And he came right into the decoys and I shot him at six or seven yards. And then, and then the next morning I found it, that afternoon, I went out scouting. I found another spot, and um, it was public, and I had to access it through private. And the guy was like, "Sure." He's like, uh, "I like cold beer." I'm like, "I can buy you cold beer." So I showed up with a, <laughs> a case of beer, and I said, "Here you go." And he goes, "Go through my property and go get them." And it was the same deal, looking for that terrain feature, and it was just happened to be a high spot. And honestly, it was only a couple of feet higher than the surrounding area. But and boom, set up and. I had three toms come up and one of them lost his head, you know? So, you know, again, it's, it's, you, you learn 
what works in your area and then you start seeing how you can apply that in other areas it doesn't always work i mean it, it doesn't always work but sometimes it does you know dude kentucky birds uh, i was getting ready to say that <laughs> that was gonna be what i was gonna bring all all the to i knew you guys were thinking it all the turkeys <laughs> i've ever had experiences with all want to go to a high point and then mm -hmm. we start hunting public in kentucky and those little bastards go down into the draws <laughs> they go down low and i'm like no 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 you're supposed to be up here <laughs> this is where yeah. turkeys go and now and and this is on public and private and now dude I'll kill a bird with a bow in Kentucky opening day. <laughs> I'm not let, I'm not watch. He'll go yeah. high now, but well, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like deer hunting and anything else. So it's scouting, it's figuring out, you know, what mm -hmm. those birds do in that certain property. You know, again, you go off of your, in, your experience and, you know, if your experience says, well, high ground in an open spot, you go there. And, and if it works awesome, if it doesn't, the thing you've got to do is you've got to be, Anytime you go out of state, you got to be willing to pull the plug on what you believe works in the past. And and I and I said this when we spoke last year is when you're going say out of state, for example, one of the biggest things that I found advantages is burning a day on the front end to scout for one. Okay, and a lot of guys and I'm the same guilty the same way. Like I travel across the country, I want to go hunt. Well, you gotta be willing pr usually to burn a day. Plus, on top of that, I've been bit by this too is being married to a location or a hunting style or a tactic for too long you know after if it's easy to sit there on a five-day hunt and then all of a sudden on day four going ah oh, shit i should have pulled the plug on this like on day mm -hmm. two you've got to be smart enough to in situation situationally aware enough to say on day two time out this isn't working i need to try something different and be willing to try something different um that's not to say that maybe on day three it couldn't have worked out but you can burn up a whole week and i've done it before um and really screw yourself you know in those situations so you know it's like what you're saying chris is if you notice them in the in the in down in the low spots well then you're just wasting your time up on the high spots you know so you got to be able to adapt there are no set rules in this you just got to go with you know again with what your experience has told you but be willing to totally throw in the top you know to change the plan it's like okay screw it you know we're just going to change it and go with it you know yep. that uh so. that's the best advice you could give any hunter or damn close to it i feel like we all get kind of married to our own little ideas and that cost me probably cost me in nebraska in deer season I well mean, it cost me this year in deer season i mean yeah. and you and i talked about it repeatedly i got married to a deer that i shot wounded and lost he showed back up and i married myself to it and and by the time in mid-december when i real when i finally admitted to myself that it was not going to happen i had wasted and squandered opportunity. i mean i killed a decent buck here in indiana but um but i'd squandered opportunities to go out of state and to hunt different spots i squandered opportunities to go hunt new land that i bought down in southern indiana all yeah. because of one situation and i know we're talking turkeys but it all applies and yeah that was a situation where i just totally married into something and i should have been smart enough to 
then like, you know what, screw this, go on and, and, and do something different. And um, sometimes that's a, a mental cleansing too, when you do that, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can really get in a rut and get down on yourself no matter what you're hunting. So. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's hard to break old habits. Like if you're used to doing something one way or had success doing it, it it's hard to break those habits. Mm-hmm. I, I had that happen during this deer season. I, married myself to one property in Ohio um, because I I knew my son was going to be born during the season. So I kind of put all my eggs in one basket and then I kind of married myself to basically one tactic there and it didn't, it didn't pan out. So, and I was, it was yeah. hard to pull myself away from that. And by the time I was like, okay, I probably should, it was, it was too late. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> it's rough um so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about coons raccoons raccoons this is 2023 you have to pronounce it (laughs) come on we will all we will all get uh canceled if you if you just run with the coons thing so trash pandas the, the trash pandas, there you go. Coons get on the back porch. Mama just push them off with a broom. So I feel like we had a post on the page today that showed I don't know how many coons were in that picture, dude. 145 or 165 was the winning team. Yeah. Wait, there, was, there was like 900 and some in the photo, wasn't it? Eight or yeah, it was almost a thousand. Oh my god. Yeah, that's yeah, it was that... like a contest. They had a bunch of teams and and this was that photo was a collective, I believe, of all the teams. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, can you I imagine the smell? Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? Horrific. Now I'm gonna say though, I have actually heard that raccoon <laughs> is actually quite good to eat. Um, like... some some weird animals lately. Uh um Mike perry the guy that is going to be speaking at our southern show killed a mountain lion and said it was the best thing he's ever had oh it's like pork they say it's like pork dude i we were talking about going and now i really want to go same as bobcats supposedly really yep ranella talks about it all the time uh says it's like it's like pork it's a white meat so Dude, I know um, Donnie Vincent went and really was opposed to the idea because it was done with hounds and he didn't have the right idea about what you actually go through on a lion hunt. And then, you know, learned a lot about that. But then when he tried it, he also talked it up pretty good. So, Josh, we're going to have to plan a lion hunt, apparently, because look into that. That sounds delicious. Um, so anyways, back to those raccoons, um, 990, I just pulled it up. Good Lord. Yeah. What, what little bitch didn't kill the extra 10 to put them up in the house? (laughs) (laughs) You guys failed. Um, but I mean, on a serious note, um, how do you guys feel about predators and the way they affect you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people that say well we've always had predators 
And I am of the opinion that while I agree, we're also creating like super coons with, you know, here in Ohio and Kentucky, um, we've got these corn piles. Josh, what's what's the largest number of raccoons you've ever had at your corn pile? See, at my father's place. Oh, I sent the picture into the group. Yeah. Was it 13 or was it 17? Oh, it it had remember. to be more than that. I think I've, it was 17. Yeah, I've had it. I've had like 13 or 14 before. Yeah. Um, they're real. Blew me out of the water. Yeah, they're I think, real. Problem. I think it was 17. Yeah. And my daughter, my, my daughters, my daughters raised uh, uh, animals for 4 H and showed them. And, and uh, so my oldest daughter, she had some feeder calves and she was raising, I don't know, this is, she was probably freshman, sophomore in high school. And she was gone. She was at a friend's staying the night or something. And I was like, don't worry about your animals. I'll feed them that evening and morning. She kept telling me that these raccoons were out there every evening when she'd feed her calves. And she's like, dad, like they're pretty brave. I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And I went out there with a bucket of feed one this night and uh, it's dark and I had a headlamp on or a flashlight or something. I come around the corner and it's just eyes everywhere. I mean, they knew what feed mm -hmm. time was. And I literally walked up to the bucket that was hanging on the fence that I, I poured from my bucket into. And there's a, there's a coon standing there three feet from me looking at me like, come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so I poured it in and I turned around and I walked back and I went back in my shop. And I got my uh, 22 caliber AR-15 and uh, a big flashlight. And I held on to that flashlight on the, on the four stock. And I came around the corner. And those coons were everywhere. And that night, I shot right there in, the, in about a three-minute period. I shot 11 raccoons. And there oh were multiple God. ones that got away. Yeah. Wow. There was one. There was, I shot, there were multiple times I shot them and their buddies just kind of looked over and just kept feeding. They were like, yep, they didn't want any more. They didn't care. I had one that actually, I had one, the funniest one was I had one stood up and looked at me. I shot him right through the chest. It was like a human. He grabbed his chest. <laughs> but yeah, they're, dude, they're terrible, man. So, you know, but uh, yeah, they're out of control. And I, and I made a post on, on that, um, you know, guys were getting all upset over this and, uh, you know, people, you know, shooting 990 coons and all this. And, and, and I get it. The, here's the problem. The optics of that post are so bad. Yes. Um, you know, there's no way in hell if I shot, you know, well, the night I shot 11 coons, you know, off the feed that were actually getting in my daughter. So I would have never taken a picture of 11 coons and put them on you know, Facebook. I mean, so I think that that's the optics are bad. I would argue it's probably irresponsible, but Hey, whatever, you know, people are free to do whatever they want. But at the end of the day, we do have a predator problem when it comes to the wild turkeys and ground nesting birds, but it's not all predator related too. There's many nice. other issues that are going on with that. And I'm no biologist, but I know biologists, you know, I've been a volunteer for uh, ducks unlimited, Delta waterfowl, the NWTF. I know a lot of these people, I know a thing or two about it and and it's not just one problem the problem is many and the problem quite frankly is is not only predators uh it has to do with um also the season structures dnr decisions 
you know, there's problems when it comes to us as hunters and the decisions we make. It mm-hmm. all plays in. It's this multi-spoke wheel of problems, and you can't put your finger on the one. And it only gets better if everybody does their part, you know, uh, to fix the situation, in my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah I think um, Chris keeps hitting on the habitat, uh, which I think is Habitat's a huge, yes. Yeah, yeah. you got all. I think a newer issue that's arising that we might see effects over the next handful of years is like all these solar farms going in. Mm-hmm. Lots of farmers are selling the solar, especially <clears throat> around us in Ohio. And nothing lives there. It's just just all panels out in these fields. Yeah. I think the other thing like you have to remember too is a wet, a wet spring wipes out birds and pe- and people tend to forget that too is that if you if you've got again no pun intended but a cascading effect like you're talking about Derek where you have <clears throat> lack of habitat birds are nesting in weird places you get you get a flash flood or you get severe water nest is gone you you've lost a clutch of birds there that even only a third of those were going to survive and a third a third of that was going to survive you you've wiped out any chance you have at that at that point in raising any type of brood stock for the following year. Now, the past couple of years um, in Ohio and Kentucky, we've had real good hatches. Uh, at least that's what the numbers say. But also, I think that has a lot to do with Ohio went to one bird last year, <clears throat> and what was interesting is. If you go back and look at numbers for for Ohio over the past, you know, however many years, you'd constantly see like, if you look at tag numbers sold, it was 75,000, 75,000, somewhere around in in that area for for birds. Well, then they went to last year and it was still 75,000. So what you were having happen was that you were always having 75,000 people go and hunt birds at some level every year. It wasn't guys taking multiple birds. It's that you have that many hunters in the area going through and are going to hunt birds. And that is not including guys who would go and buy a second tag on top of that. So you have, you have, I mean, Chris and Josh, you know, have, and I have talked about this. Kentucky's getting ready more than likely to change how they do hunting in spring for gobblers. You're going to be allowed one on public land and one on private land. So essentially, if you don't have access to to private, you're you're boned. Like you're getting one bird a year. You know, if you got access to private and public, you can take two birds. But the bigger thing is, is that you can still kill four birds in the fall in in Kentucky, which is just asinine in a lot of ways. Like you're you're watching Alabama and uh, what was the other one that Jacob said, Arkansas. Where in Mississippi, where the bird numbers just fall like a rock, and and what and what are you having happen? You have four bird limits in the fall. You have <clears throat> more people coming into the state to hunt, but also on top of that, you just don't have people making good decisions on what you're hunting. Like bearded hens are cool. Do we actually need to shoot those? Probably not. Do you need to shoot a Jake every year? I'm guilty of this, by the way. I, I am very guilty of this. I'm, I, I, I literally <clears throat> I cooked a Jake breast tonight, and we ate it as a family. Like, I, I love being able to have turkey meat in my freezer. Do I shoot more than one Jake a, a year? Not if I can help it, but there's also a reality that I'm trying to move away from that. Josh, we talked about, you know, old habits dying hard. My first instinct is you need to put meat in the freezer. You need to kill a bird. 
And and then it's it's old thoughts of, well, I can always come back and get another. Well, you don't always know that because if you take three Jakes off of a property in one year, you're, you know, killing, you know, your two-year-olds and three-year-olds that are going to be supposed to be there next year. So yeah, I, I think that your opportunities are, are multiplying as far as birds seen, birds called in, and properties to hunt, both private and public. You, I think you're getting out more these days as well because I force you to leave your house. And <laughs> um, But, I mean, I think your opportunities are more. And um, I was pumped when you passed that bearded hen last year. I was, I was pretty... Surprise! That was a legal bird, and I thought, "Well, that bitch is dead." <laughs> I, 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 I made a, I made a, I made a, a and I, I made a like a pact with myself that I wasn't ever going to do that. And I literally had the conversation with my dad two days before because he had said something along the lines. We were, we were, I think we were scouting birds in Ohio. And he had said, he goes, I shot one one time and he goes, I didn't feel good about it afterwards. And I said, I told myself at the start of the season, I wasn't going to do it. And then lo and behold, we're, you know, middle of a rainstorm. Here comes this bird coming across the field. And I just see a, you know, five, six inch beard walking across. I'm like, oh, this is, this is a, you know, a gobbler. And then it you gets closer, it gets closer. And you're like, that's not a gobbler. That bird looks weird. Like there's something physically wrong with it. And I'm like, Oh, that's a bearded hen. And, you know, sitting, I've got the whole thing on video. Like that was the coolest part. I pulled out my phone. I had it sitting on me and I got to like watch, you know, all the behaviors of it, which was really cool. And, and I think that that's, you know, something had I had a gun on my, you know, looking down the scope, I would have never got to, you know, appreciate that as much as I still do. Amen to that, dude. I, I had, so I'd always thought it'd be cool to kill a bearded hen and get her mounted and heard from people like all some people say they have pults and are successful others claim that they're like kind of weird and don't reproduce and i was deer hunting a couple fall not last fall but this fall fall before and i had a bearded hen come in with nine pults and yeah. she was clearly wow. the hen. Like she was the boss bitch. She was yeah, the they, one. They reproduce. I've got trail camera pictures of them with Absolutely. with their pulse. Yeah, and they, so, it's. I think it's like ten percent. Yeah, ten percent of them had of hens have beards. I mean, it's just an anomaly. It's just a weird feather the way it grows and all yeah. that. They're out there, and I look. I don't. I don't fault anybody if that's what you want to take, and it's a legal bird in your state. That's fine. Um. I can't, I guess I can see, I know why they do it because they're afraid somebody can't differentiate her from, you know, a, a male bird, which I guess if you are just totally green and you've never been around turkeys, I guess you could say that. Um, and I, you know, again, I'm not going to fault somebody if that's what they want to kill, you know, so be it. But, you know, I mean, is what it is at that point. And same with Jake's. I mean, it's fine. Heck, I mean, I killed a Jake on the last day of the Texas season three years ago, something like that. I still had a tag in my pocket and I had a pair of Jake's came in. It was the very last day of the season. It was an evening sit. It was literally like the last 30 minutes of season. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm rolling the camera. He played the game and I did it, you know, but um, you know, it's not something I do very often, but you know, Hey, whatever it was, my tag was my decision. You know, I, I don't hold that against everybody. I, I think where the problem lies though, 
the problem lies in many areas, but one of the problems is what you talked about is these fall seasons where hens are legal. And I, I think that many of these states are now figuring out that we cannot have these liberal bag limits. I mean, you've seen most of Kansas has gone from a two bird state to a one bird state. I think Nebraska this year went from three birds down to two. I know Ohio, you already mentioned, went from two to one. Indiana has always been a one bird state in the spring and I campaigned hard for years, like give us a second bird. Now I'm glad they never did, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a huge part, but I think another big part is we as hunters need to start doing our part. And and I, look, I am not throwing stones at a glass house because I've done it, okay? I've been the guy who went to Texas and killed four birds, jumped in the truck, went to Nebraska and killed three birds, and then turned around, went to Kansas and killed two birds because I had that many tags. And by God, that's what these states allow. That was also back in the days where bird numbers were much higher. So yes. I, I say that with now, I'm not sure, Texas, I probably still would because the places I still hunt in Texas, I've got some pretty good numbers. But for example, I'm not so sure now in Nebraska, if I had three tags, I would probably be willing to kill three birds right now. I probably would stop at one or two. And just be like, you know, uh, at some point you got to put the brakes on ourselves. And again, yeah. this goes back to what I was talking about earlier is at, at some point as a hunter, you're going to reach a maturity level of I've done this so many. And and it's it's easy for me to say I I have no desire to go, go to Nebraska and kill three birds. I'd like to go kill one, maybe a second if you played the game right and everything, you know, and I felt like I really wanted to but I've killed a ton of birds. Now, maybe a guy who's only killed three or four birds, I, I can't fault him for wanting to go and punch all those tags either. But we as hunters, we play a role in this, okay? So it's sometimes you got to look in the mirror and check yourself. In Indiana, we can kill a fall bird. I haven't killed a fall bird in years. And basically, it's a self-check. It's like I've had them come through. I'm deer hunting. And I, and I look at it and go, I'm deer hunting. I'm not here to kill a bird. I'll let that bird come back in the spring and we'll play the game then. And uh, and that's not to fault anybody who wants to kill a fall bird. But again, at some point, you've got to put in your own check system and put in your own restraint. I think if we all did that, that's a piece of the puzzle, as well as the predators, the habitat, the regulations and various other issues. So I agree. I agree 100 percent. I think that. Talking to different guys like yourself, Jacob Emery, people who live to hunt turkeys, basically. Jacob brought up a couple of really good points. Uh, bait states. He says he sees turkey declines in bait states, and you look at the the states that don't allow baiting, and they have thriving populations. Uh, talked about it uh, hurting the pulse, the moldy corn, and then he also talked about how hunters, just hunters, like you, you have a state like Alabama that has a five bird limit, Tennessee, or, or had uh, Tennessee, a three bird limit. And now with the explosion, absolute explosion, I don't think people realize this, of public land hunting, hunter numbers, I don't know if we compare to the right after, you know, the post-World War II era, era almost said area, um, but we're like at or close to an all-time high. Hunter numbers are not falling like people said you see more and more people every year and it's not like we're getting more land 
to hunt on here. Um, go ahead. I don't. Bruce. I don't know that you're getting more hunters. I think you're getting more people traveling to hunt um, because. So you go back 10, 15 years ago, uh, you didn't have the information in content uh, that you have now showing how easy it is to drive to a state, look up a map on your phone, and then say, I'm going to go walk around here because there's, you know, topo lines here that give you that. Like, if you go back, we were talking about uh, an area that you had looked up for deer scouting um that my my dad used to hunt and i can remember uh having to go and get the old area maps and if you wanted to hunt somewhere in the state you had to go get the area map you had to plot everything out you had to overlay overlay topo lines and all this kind of stuff i think that a lot of times what you're seeing when we hunted uh kentucky what was that two years ago with me you yeah, no, me, you, Luke, and Josh. That's 2021, right? Oh, that was 21. New York, Missouri. What was mm -hmm. the other one? Um, there was there was three or four other states that were there at that WMA. And I think that it's become so much easier for guys to just get information and go that you're seeing a lot more of that. Now, I, I hope I hope hunter numbers are going up because it's you know it's still ten, roughly 10% of the United States population is buys buys a hunting or fishing license um you know it, it's again lots of contributing factors yeah so i'll i'll reiterate or whatever i'll i'll change it maybe we have the same amount of numbers in the u.s but places are getting hunted more there's more pressure if you have a hundred thousand hunters in alabama and then all of a sudden next year a shitload come from all over the place and now you have 125,000 or what that's that's a lot of birds and then you take each one of those guys and then kill five birds that's crazy now mm -hmm. i know it's not that number i'm just throwing numbers out there to put things in perspective but um i think that the hunting pressure is at an all-time high we'll, we'll yep. put it that way I have, I have a theory on that as well, as far as one, you do have an explosion of, you know, people going to hunt publicly and one, I believe in, in part of all the content that's available. And like Rick said, like all the resources that we have and people are seeing that it's easier to do, but and I also, agree with that. yeah, also as someone who's currently like my wife and I are building a house, right. And just like looking at the market and like land and stuff and heck over the past few years, like younger individuals, like it's, it's not like it was 10 years ago, as far as getting land and getting a house, it's, it's a lot more difficult nowadays. And there's less and less land that is available. You got people leasing up all the land or, you know, people holding on to it now for long periods of time, because it is an investment that just, you know, a cruise. Um, so I think, and my theory is that's part of it, especially like the younger people, like in their twenties and like thirties, um, seeing them out and, you know, hunting public land. Yeah, I agree. I think that when I was younger, probably when Derek was younger, it was a lot easier to get permission and Rick doesn't count. 
Rick doesn't count because his daddy was the game warden and they could hunt wherever Rick, they wanted. Dad was not the game warden. <laughs> um, what the hell ever. Whatever. He had a, was he had a, was he had a, that's just a license warden. to trespass right there. <laughs> if if your dad's the, a game warden. My dad wasn't the game warden. We were friends with the game wardens. He was Watercraft <laughs> and he's basically a game warden. They had permission on the most premier property in Southern Ohio they had permission on the best property. So Rick, really you're not jealous. You're really, not jealous. Oh, all, I'm jealous as shit. <laughs> so no. So I, I, I want to be clear about one thing about the premier property, uh, on the one. This is getting uh, good. We could, only kill, good. we could only kill those. I was allowed to turkey hunt there, but mm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. we I, now I, know that as. I'm not saying it aloud. I'm not saying it allowed for any matter out of staters can't hunt there, but there's people who listen in state who can, and I don't want to ruin it for the people who like to go there and draw their odds. That's right. I'm not, I'm not mentioning it because I'm moving back to Ohio. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say this, that, that, that is a place where that place flourished so well because the guys who lease that out, took care of it and understood main thing was you establish habitat and you keep it in a right way. You allow people to come in there and, and cut hay. Uh, so you have areas for turkeys to strut. You take care of the areas. So there's not just, you take care of bedding areas and roosting coverage. I mean, I think uh, rough grouse society is doing projects down there or around there now. There, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of aspects of that. That, and if I'm not mistaken, that that property was bought uh, by the state with the intention of making it, uh, you know, a, a, you know, an actual nice, you know, what, 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 what a WMA with with appropriate habitat looks like. Not, not to say other ones don't, but you know, th there's there's a lot of things that they put into that place that, that are great. And yes, did I have permission to hunt there when it was there? Yes, I did. Knock, oh, not, not oh, what you did. Imagine having an entire WMA, not like, not like one of those mini WMAs. It's like, Again, you're jealous, Chris. Yeah. I'm going to Rick's defense. Hey, you're right being, jealous. Jealous. being a jealous yeah. little bitch. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so, listen, listen, little brother. Move on. <laughs> so this does this does bring up a good point because it, it is it is getting into uh you know by the time this by the time this uh podcast comes out it's going to be real close to turkey time and uh, you know potentially like people are going to be traveling out of state and that kind of stuff i, re I really want to you know kind of hit back on something we all just talked about make sure you're checking your regs lots of stuff changes every year and specifically i was talking to a guy uh yesterday and he he wrote me and said, you know, I, I've got this piece of I got this piece of land picked out. Uh, you know, I think it's a sleeper. And I said, check just just make sure you check the regs because I'm pretty sure it, it's it's an area that you can only hunt with like uh with you know primitive weapons. And sure enough, it was you know half the area that this guy was wanting to hunt was that I steered him. I, I told him to go to a different area. And you know, you go down the road, and there's nine thousand acres. So it it it's not it's not like that. There's you know these 
you know, just big plots of land there that don't have different things because different states have different rules. And certainly, Chris, you know this as well as I do. Josh, so do you with having lived over here. Different WMAs have different rules. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's certain stuff. Or if you go over to West Virginia, there's bow, there's bow only areas, you know, for deer and turkey. So make sure you're checking that stuff before you go on an out-of-state hunt because that's really important. And, you know, you don't want to have a bad time, you know, paying a lot of money and thinking you can go hammer something with a shotgun and you get there and it's bow only. I know that the... If you just hand me their tag then. I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> I know that the 1,500-acre WMA that Rick had all to himself to turkey hunt for his entire childhood, um, you know, now you can't draw that as an out-of-stater. I can't. So, which is kind of a, a funny conundrum, if you will, or whatever. I'm probably using the uh, incorrect terminology, but Rick had that forever. And now he's not allowed to hunt it because he's an out-of-stater. You know, you know what, though? I, I had my time on it. You did. I, 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 had, I had my time on it, and I hope anybody who ever gets drawn there, um, that they go and enjoy it like I did. Like, I love that place. Absolutely loved that place it was full of wildlife um it just it, just, it, it was such a cool and diverse area and i can't hunt there i can fish there as an out-of-stater yeah. i, I can't hunt. and i can shed hunt there but i can't hunt and you know i you know what what's the uh it wasn't leopold i forget who it is who it was but it's like uh if if I'm if I'm walking up a mountain and someone passes me and I can't get I can't get up the mountain anymore, it's their time to go in there. It's not my time anymore, and I I have to learn how to do something else. And I have, and, and I'm appreciative of that. Of you, what a nice person you are. I will say, I can see why you love the place. I got drawn there in their first first year, year. program. Yep. Uh, nobody knew about it because Correct. I'm friends with rick whose dad was basically the game warden and we drew it um for the last two weeks of hunting season and i mean ate up with deer ate up with turkey and you can just walk forever bald eagles awesome river system whole line right and um it really taught me a lot about how stupid people are because when they made the, they didn't put the drawing up on the DNR website. And when they did that on our page and all these other Ohio pages, you'd see people, Hey, did you draw this one? You're going to apply for that. And I'm like, shut the hell up. What, you don't understand draw odds. Are you dumb? And now like you don't have a prayer in hell of drawing that place basically. So so I, I do, Derek, this brings up a good question for you. Any of the states yeah. that you hunt, do you have to like, do you draw odds or anything like that? Or is it all pretty much that you go, you buy a tag over the counter and then you, you go and hunt? Uh, everything that I've ever done. Well, I guess Illinois is the only thing where I've done where you've got to put in and yeah, pick different seasons. And theoretically, you know, you have odds, but uh, most places, it's all over the counter um now that i say all that like um south dakota is one where you got to put in but basically everybody's drawn um and then i hunted the rosebud in south dakota a couple different times you got to put in there but everybody's basically drawn so i mean i've never been in one where 
you're basically not going to get drawn. I mean, I've okay. never been to a state where, you know, um, but it is kind of funny because um, I was listening. Well, it might've been last week. I was listening to, I think you guys were talking to Jacob Emery and uh, mm-hmm. he was talking about going down to Florida. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to Florida. Like I, last time I hunted Florida, he just bought a tag. And I was like, Oh, Oh God. Oh God. I hope, I hope I'm not, <laughs> it's not a draw situation. So I immediately uh, jumped in the, I uh, jumped on my computer and got on there and figured it out. I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. You can just, you got to put in for WMAs, but where I'm going is private. So I just bought a tag and all that stuff, but no, nice. I, you know, it's when it comes to turkeys, you know, most states are still over the counter or you get in some type of draw where it's pretty much, you know, a guaranteed draw. Now, again, we talked about like the Goulds, if you're going to go to Arizona and hunt those, that's a draw thing. And there's certain areas like that, but a lot of them, you know, are still that over the counter. And, and, you know, a place like Texas is nice when you buy in Texas, because most of Texas is four birds it's you buy the turkey hunting license and it comes with all four tags now like you go to nebraska back at least when they were three three birds i don't know how they're doing it now when they're two but you know you can buy one tag you can buy two tags three tags you know whatever and you know the kind of the cool part now is too you know with a lot of these states having you know online uh, ability to purchase tags you know in real time you could theoretically you know shoot a bird and <clears throat> sit there right sit right there at the tree or in your blind buy another tag and you know hunt and theoretically kill another bird you know or whatever so um you know so there's there's those types of things but no you know i've never really gotten into the whole draw thing Uh, okay i had always wondered that because i know like there's states like wisconsin where you have to i don't know necessarily that you draw like it's kind of like everybody draws but there's different like you draw for a week and then out in montana you draw for like units specifically it's you know it's goofy i i've tried i've got a buddy who lives out in montana and we were gonna well yeah so so it is kind of that way when you go to like kansas and you go to south dakota those two just come like you you buy them for a unit um so your tags are are specifically good for that unit like if you're gonna hunt the black hills you gotta get a black hills turkey tag and it can only be used in that part of the state. Now, then the beauty is you then can buy an archery tag out there too. So, um, you know, gun hunters are only going to get one tag, but if you're bow hunting, you essentially get, you know, you can buy two tags, which is kind of uh. cool. Um, Kansas, again, as I recall, and I'm on in Kansas now in probably three or four years, but, uh, you know, it was you buy them for a, a specific unit. So again, you know, you got to look at what, you know, every state, you know, is, you know, as far as, you know, uh, what you're getting yourself into, you know, I being here in Indiana, you know, you just buy a turkey tag and just go, and and it may even really makes it worse. In Indiana, I lose track of things because um, a I'm a landowner, so we get special you know, privileges there. But uh, back before I was a landowner, I bought a lifetime hunting license, so I don't ever have to buy tags or anything. The only thing I buy every year is a federal waterfowl stamp to duck and goose hunt. So. For me, you know, I don't even think about it. And I just, what I have to do is just be like, okay, what did, did they change like bag limits or, you know, whatever. And that really pertains more to deer, you know, in in my type of hunting. So I started getting all confused when you start looking like going out West big game hunting. Like I got a ton of points out in Wyoming for both deer and and antelope. And I started getting all confused when it's probably why I know that's why I haven't even put in for actual tags yet because you look at all the units and where they're good for and 
draw odds and I just start going, oh shit, why'd I ever get into this stupid, you know, preference points game <laughs> out there? But um, yeah, it's confusing for an Indiana corn boy like myself. So <laughs> awesome. Oh, I could talk turkeys for days. Yeah. So I'm going to be Derek Craig this year and kill a turkey with a bow. Um, okay. I won't be trying to decapitate them yet. I don't think I'm quite on that level yet. It's not. But, it's easier. Mm, it's easier than the body shot, man. I'm telling you. Here's why I disagree. You you need to watch my video. Five reasons why you should be shooting turkeys with. I saw that video and we weren't buddies yet, and I couldn't openly disagree with you, but now I can. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) You'll hate me less or more. I don't know. No. uh, So you You know I don't hate you, little brother. You you (laughs) (laughs) and wound a turkey with a large cut, you know, broadhead. Uh, and not decapitate it, not not recover the bird. Um, every and and this doesn't go just for that. Like you talk, you hear guys talk about like, well, I can shoot a deer in the head, and if I miss, I miss, and if I don't, I'm like, no, nah, you can you can blow a doe's jaw off or you know whatever. Um, but we have a guy on our team that shot one, and if you looked at that video without slowing it down, you'd contemplate life and wonder how the hell that turkey still had a head and literally just the rotation of the blades was perfect and Mm -hmm. he hit a pocket that just didn't get it done and it was weird because it really looked like it would have been a shot that would have got the got the job done i would uh, I still wonder if, you know, if they were a bigger animal and laid down a big blood trail and everything, if he could attract it. And again, you know, you're, you've got this tiny animal that really doesn't bleed that much in the first place. And now you're shooting it at the top, you know, but, but I would, I would argue that Chris in that, um, is it possible? Yes. Um, I actually know of somebody who shot the beak off of a bird with a head chopping broadhead and you know, I mean, he shot the beak off and he felt, he felt sick to his, I mean, he felt sick about it. Rightfully so. I actually have got a video. I shot at a bird in Kansas years ago and literally the way the broadhead was in rotation and indexed his head and the, the blades just went right past. Like if it had been, if it had been, 15 degrees more it would have just sliced the back of his head completely open in fact it was so close that the fletching of the arrow hit him in the back of the head actually hit (laughs) grazed the back of his head so yeah so i would say is it possible for what you described to happen yes but here's what i would say that and the guy shooting the beak off the bird are in the infinitesimal low percentages where if you look at the possibilities of losing a bird in a body shot, that is a high probability. And again, I can only go based on my experience because look, I tried to bow hunt and body shot birds for years. And I've said it before, I've never kept track of numbers, but I would say it was in the neighborhood of for every one bird I killed with a body shot, I would lose two. Now, I will also 
acknowledge that that is not a broadhead issue. That's not a bow hunting issue. That's not a turkey issue. That is a Derek Craig issue. Sure. I was letting them get in my head and I was not putting the best shot on. Okay. That is a me issue. And if you are Levi Morgan and you can 12 ring every single shot that you shoot and you're John Dudley, go for it. That's awesome. Derek Craig can't do that, but I can tell you what Derek Craig can do. He can smack turkeys upside the head with a big old bullhead <laughs> nine, nine times out of 10. And that one that he misses is always a clean miss. And I've had some where I've nicked them. I've had two of them. I've had two where I did not get a solid hit where I nicked them. And in both of those cases, I had two and my daughter had one. And in all three of those cases in about 50 to 75 yards, that that turkey was laying on his face and the blood trail was like, I wish deer bled the way this did. You had to go about 20 yards. And then, I mean, and then it was just blood, 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 because there's so many blood vessels in that head that they are going to bleed. Now, again, there is that 0.001% time where what happens to the guy you talk about, there's that very low percentage time where somebody chops a uh, beak off a bird. But I will argue that, those wounding times are way less than what you get with a body shot bird. Typically that's just, you know, as somebody who's done it, I've probably, I will be bold enough to say that I have, I'm sure that I've killed more turkeys with a Magnus bullhead than anybody else on this planet. And uh, (laughs) it's what I've seen, you know, and and what, and I've been there and watched so many other people do it. I've seen people hit him in the body. I've hit him in the body too. And I've watched the turkey walk off. Yeah, he walked off bruised and wounded, but he came back for another day, you know. So again, you know, and teach his own. I don't hold it against any, you know, buddy for going out and shooting him in the body with a bow. I mean, it's awesome that that's what you want to do. But I'm always open to the bait as which is better, the headshot or the the body shot. And, you know, I've I if look, as passionate as I am about bow and turkeys, if I thought body shooting them was better. I would do it. Sure. Okay. Damn the damn the bullhead. Okay. I mean, yeah, I've got a relationship with with Magnus and the bullhead, but I was trying to head shoot him before the Magnus bullhead came around. I was trying to head shoot him with the old gobbler guillotines that you put the green straws on the blades. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So I mean, and that was before we knew the arrow combination and the physics and everything that goes into it. So yeah, I that's what how I feel about it. But again, I if you go out and body shoot them, I'll give you a hard time about it, Chris. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, <laughs> dude. I'm not gonna bash you, and and I'll I'll just buddy give you a hard time well, as a buddy. If so. you don't openly shit talk me, then I might be a little worried. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, but you just got to be very say, careful on selecting your shot. You got to be yeah, very careful. Very. One hundred percent. That, and I think a lot of it boils down to like, probably like opportunity as well for example um if i'm probably not going to be in a blind when i'm bow hunting them i'll I'll use like a snake blind or something and i'm probably going to want to be able to take like a and i don't know what what's your max effective range like you're like man i could smoke one's head clean off at what yardage what's the longest you'd shoot i've killed two at 25 yards Okay. What's that? You're basically at a trad limit. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, most of my shots are, you know, five to eight yards, you know, but, but I've killed them to 20 now, or I mean to 25, two of them. 
one was perfect. The other one I hit a little bit low. Uh, he did go off down into a low spot and I found him. Um, just, you know, I mean, 25 yards, a lot can go wrong. Now I'll say that, you know, I've got videos of me shooting bullheads, you know, out to 40 and 50 yards at Ooh. targets, you know, I mean, take a water bottle, suspend it from a string and film that I've done it years ago. But in those situations, those aren't hunting situations. Those are situations where there's no wind. It's very controlled. You don't have an animal that's right. moving. Um, you know, so arguably, if you're going to take those longer shots, if you want to take a 30, 40 yard shot, I mean, maybe your body shot's the best way to go. But I would also argue against that, even in a body shot, like that bird can, <laughs> it's just like a deer, man. They can move a lot. And that target's so small on a bird sure. that, you know, it's so easy to get in this mindset of just get an arrow in the animal, whether it's a turkey or a deer. Dude, I lost the biggest archery buck of my life this year because I was in the mindset of get an arrow in the animal. And that was the wrong mindset. And my, I caution people when it comes to bow hunting birds at 35 yards, you got a bird that's 35 yards and he's hung up. I really caution you taking that shot of just get an arrow in it. Can, can you do it? Maybe. Can you, can, is, is there a higher chance that a lot of crap's going to go wrong? Probably. And yeah. so, you know, again, that's why I do it the way I do it. And, and I like to bring them in close because, you know, like, I get it. Guys are like, well, I don't think I can pull a bird into 10 yards or whatever. And well, you know, it depends on how you want to hunt them. And, you know, and, and if you want to commit to that, you can definitely do it. And if you put them in at, you know, 15 yards, 10 yards, eight yards, um, it's kind of hard to miss. I mean, you can, trust me, I've missed. There's nothing stings worse than mi missing a turkey at seven <laughs> yards. You're like, what the hell happened there? Oh, I but, uh, got miss one at 10 yards on the decoys right off the roost and I wanted to kill but, myself. But, but here's, see, here's what I would say is I would rather clean miss them than put an arrow one, in one and wound it and yeah. lose it. I would, I mean, nobody likes to miss an animal, but it, it stings a hell of a lot less when you miss them and they live than it does to miss them oh, or to hit them and wound them. So I agree. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I am known for dropping bombs. Uh, I am known as launch pad, but I'm not trying to come out here and drop 40 yard bombs on, yeah. on birds, but yeah. at a 20, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you would, but, yeah. but people do that. You know, I mean, you know, it's, I, th so. I think we'll be able to pull him in pretty close. Pierce is pretty good. And I told him I was going to put the pressure on him. Um, yeah, but, do it. but a 23 to 28 yard shot, 30 yard shot. Yeah. That's for me. And I, and I am going to develop a different arrow setup. I, I think I'm lacking a little bit of speed, but that said, no matter what stuff can go wrong. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. You're going to want it to be flat shooting, you know, at that, because in a Turkey, you know, I mean, that one yard difference can be, you know, the difference between a clean hit and a yeah. wounded animal. Well, that, yeah. you know, they barely move. You're talking about a kill zone, the size of your fist versus. Yeah. yeah it's literally as a softball. That, uh, you know, on a deer. So um, you have a lot less forgiveness. I think they move a lot less than a deer, but they don't have to move very much to change mm -hmm. all that. So Josh looks like he's trying yeah. to say something. Nope. I just, I know you're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to get one with the bow. And then you're going to, you're going to 
break out the 20 gauge. Those 20 gauges are really nice with nine shot. Yeah, um, you're like, forget this 20 yard crap. Like, he's at 40. I'm going to rain TSS on Rick's That's head right. across, the, across the pasture. Every time somebody posts a, uh, how does it go? Everybody, everybody asks like about turkey ammo and you have all the archery guys hold up their arrows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, dude, Yep. <laughs> come on. So I yep. want, I want to kill one with a bow. Do it. The very untraditional way, if you will. And just maybe, it. maybe talk shit back to them a little bit. Um, for the fall and everything, it'd just be good to have it in my back pocket. Hey, I've done it. I mean, I I've killed them with a bow, no blind, you know, and all that stuff, you know. I mean, Have you? It, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Where, you know, did you do the, that? Were they easterns or were they out west or? Oh, easterns. No easterns. easterns. But yeah, but you know, those were back in the days when I didn't film, and you know, again, the camera gear throws a whole, you know. A whole different when you're self-filming and and i'm determined i'm gonna do it i t i sat out about three or four mornings last year um and uh, could have killed some jakes i was self-filming no blind sitting on the ground with my bow head chop could have killed some jakes and let them walk yeah. um they came up but they came up behind me and i heard i heard the first steps and i kind of did the slow head turn and like there they are and they walked right around me and went right into the decoys and I mean, I could have head chopped them at seven, eight yards, you know, with no blind and all self-filmed. I had my, I had my uh, uh, same camera arm set up that I used deer hunting. I had a little tree a couple of feet from me and I had that set up and the camera was right there. And, you know, I had, of course, you know, my GoPro or my uh, action cams out in the decoys and stuff. And, and uh, I let them walk, you know, but, uh, and one of these days I'll do it. I mean, I may try it again this spring too, you know, cause that is, that is the one comment a lot of times I get is people be like, yeah, I do it without a blind. I'm like, well, I have. And I'm like, well, film it. I'm like, well, first of all, let, let me see you just film a hunt period. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. No. So yeah, it's, it's hilarious, but yeah, so definitely, but man, I dude, I would, I would never discourage you from bow hunting in any way, shape or form that you want to go for it, you know, and dude, if you kill one, you know, with your bow, I'll be your biggest fanboy and, saying hell rah 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 and buy you a beer at the mobile hunter expo and you know so what can we watch can we watch this podcast in your film at the mobile hunters expo we What's can probably on? try and do that man you know, <laughs> hey, you got this sneaky guy no you that got you got to use angle video. man but that was cool that was, that was cool. Yeah, you, get, you gotta run all the angles so that you was know pretty cool yeah. to see yep so man we're excited yep. i'm i'm excited to see all the different um submissions i don't know if you've seen yet or not but it is live on latitude's website you can submit mm. are, are oh, you really? sure no, i haven't i because i i looked the other day and it wasn't there yesterday i posted it on our page and then deleted it because when i posted it it didn't have like a good thumbnail and it looked kind of stupid so i was like ah, i'll delete it but yeah, it's on there. Oh. Where? So if you go to, sorry, you guys are going to have to endure this here. So if you go to latitudeoutdoors.com, <laughs> go to uh, support, and then get out of support, 
if you type in a Google search bar, Latitude <laughs> Mobile Hunter Film Festival. If you go up to the search bar. You guys really need a Jamie on your staff like Joe Rogan's got. We do. Uh, we know? do. So if you type Film Fest in the search bar, sucka, 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 nah, nah. Look at that. I see whose a face is, Whose face is on the thumbnail? Well, it's I don't camera. know who that is. Uh, it's just a camera, but no, I can show you these guys. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Earn that bucks on there. So I, I, well, I recognize that guy. because <laughs> none of this. Like has I say, been it's Mike. been a crazy. It's been a crazy 365 days, Chris. <laughs> I have to say, probably still one of the highlights, um, despite the crash and burn effort that i had nascaring tvs onto the poles and everything breaking a tv uh sound issues i mean newton's law really or what is murphy's, it? Law. murphy's new law new newton's <laughs> law had three... we're not murphy's even going to go into that we're not even so, going to go into it <laughs> it was just it was rough but it was neat to see all the relationships established at the show and then uh, it never once dawned on me. I swear to God, it never once came into my mind like, oh, man, the person or people that place or win or anything in this film festival could have opportunities on down the road. And then talking to all you guys, I'm like, wow, this is pretty badass. I like that. Worked out pretty good. Hell yeah. Worked yeah, we haven't, for we, sure. haven't, we haven't made... Um... We can talk a little bit after this, Derek, but we have, it's going to be a lot better than last year and much, much bigger. Um, I think it's not easy to find on the Latitude Film Festival because we haven't finalized some things. So gotcha. that's probably why. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, it'll, it'll be up there um, once we finalize some stuff with uh, Corey and get all the details squared away and then we'll make announcements for it. It's going to be even better than Very probably cool. most probably most of the film festivals in the industry well the bar is not very high when it comes to that so, <laughs> yeah, there you go i'm, yeah. I'm gonna go so, out on a limb and say this is gonna set the bar yeah so it's not very high no i know corey will do he corey and i talked about it uh some when we were at ata we, he and i were talking he and derek and i were talking about it some so i think it's going to be pretty cool so yeah oh yeah well, guys, you want to start sure. to close this out? Yeah, sure. Uh, you want to ask your question that you started asking? I want to ask my question that I started asking. <laughs> <laughs> Senor Derek Day. Derek yes. Day. I always call you Derek Day, and then I realize that it's Derek Craig every single time. <laughs> I'm going to start saying new Craig outdoors. <laughs> like, I'm like half dyslexic here. So, Senor Derek Craig. Uh, yes. what is your favorite thing with hunting that you have learned this year? My favorite thing I've learned this year. Favorite, favorite, favorite thing I've learned this year. Boy, man, that's a weird question. Um, <laughs> most Thank you know. You. You, you know, you know, I, I'll go back to something I mentioned earlier. It was, and, and I, 
this applies again to so many things and and it just hit home with me this year was i shot that buck wounded him he showed back up about 10 days later and i just was all in and i wasn't willing to walk away from the situation and it probably it was not favorite thing from like a oh that was awesome but it was probably my favorite thing be- to it was just such a a wake up call like man you got to know when to walk away and i walked away i passed up so many other opportunities to go hunt other areas again including land that i bought i bought a new farm in southern indiana this year and uh was so excited you know to go and hunt it and i never went because i just committed to this one deer you know and uh it was it was a real it was a lesson that i needed to have be taught to me again you know and and i think it's one that so many people can apply again to the turkey hunting deer hunting duck hunting elk hunting whatever it is you're into is learning when to say when to move on and and chase a different animal in a different spot um you know and and uh that, that was probably the the most you know that that was the most impactful thing that i learned this year i mean uh you know i guess you know the positive things i've learned this year is just um is i've been doing this for so long you guys um and chasing whatever this stupid dream is that we're in and like i say it's been a hell of a, a 365 day period and what i've learned is when you work your ass off and you and you do everything based on relationships and friendships and try and be a good person and and be there for others it pays off dividends and so for me um that's another huge lesson from this year is is for many years of putting in the time and the effort and again using relationships good things come you know so God, preach yeah. to our soul dude but that damn Kenny Rogers knew what he was talking about, didn't he, Derek? <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> You've got yeah. to know when to fold up. Yeah, exactly. Know when to hold up. That's right. So, <laughs> no, not yep. any fewer words have been spoken, my man. Yeah. Yes. Well, Pickles, you want to take us home, dude? Sure. Uh, guys, it's been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host, Rick Cates and Chris Leppard, joined by Josh Luck and our special guest, Derek Craig, tonight. Guys, thanks for joining us. Talk at you later. Bye. See you. See ya. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>